Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Today, I wanted to talk about why culture change efforts fail. According to Philip Atkinson in How to Become a Change Master, as many as 90% of major culture initiatives fail. He goes on to say, without leadership, there is no change. One of the first projects I ever worked on for ProSafe was facilitating a culture assessment for the U.S. Navy. Um, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld had a mishap reduction policy for the military, and we were able to participate in this effort through facilitation of our culture assessment process at various Navy bases across the country. But that evolved. Um, For the past 20 years, I've been heavily involved in culture assessments from the military to chemical refineries, various forms of construction from subs to GCs. It's been a highly enlightening experience. On one side of the fence, I was immersing myself in the laws and regulations, equipment, technology, all that stuff related to the safety profession. But on the other side of the fence, I was learning so much about culture from the people who perform the work and those that manage the work. It was amazing to me how the perceptions of the front line were very different than the intentions of upper management. And where did middle management fall? Right in the middle. Most often, they shared some of the frustration of the front line combined with some of the great intentions of upper management. So why do the majority of culture change efforts fail? Many times, upper management doesn't really understand what drives culture or how to change culture or how hard and slow culture change actually is. This is not placing judgment on management. They simply don't know what they don't know. One time I had a client call for some training services, and after some conversations on the type of training they needed, the client made this statement. I don't want a safety program. I want a safety culture. Again, I'm not placing judgment here. Just bringing to light the lack of awareness that may exist. The truth is that client already had a safety culture. The words he used just didn't match the thought he was having. The thought he was having was that he wanted a more improved safety culture than the one that currently existed in the organization. I'm paraphrasing here, but I've heard John Maxwell explain it like this. When companies say they want a culture, they already have one. What they really want is an intentional culture. What they currently have is an unintentional culture. An intentional culture is a constant uphill climb. So let's provide a little insight into what effective culture change efforts look like, along with some of the struggles that companies may experience along the way. Culture change is a top-down effort with a vision to become bottom-up. 
Many organizations focus on the frontline employees when they want to change their culture. This is expected when the culture they want to change is the culture they see in their employees. Management is always looking at various departments in other ways on a frequent basis. How is this department doing financially? How's this one performing quality-wise, safety performance, yada, yada, yada? It's only natural for management to look down the org chart when wanting to make a cultural shift. But unfortunately, that is the least effective effort to implement. Employees and middle managers are products of the management-driven culture. Consider this example. I've worked with several different subcontractors that work for most of the main large general contractors in our area. And I always ask this question, which general contractor has the strongest safety culture? Which has the weakest? It's interesting how the answers are almost always exactly the same. So these projects consist of several hundred workers at any given time. The greatest percentage of warm bodies on the project are subcontractors. A very small percentage of human beings are general contractor management. Who drives the cultural bus the most? The small group of managers at the top. Changing culture starts at the very top. From there, it flows into middle management and finally arrives at the front line. Many organizations want an employee-driven culture, but the truth is it starts at the top. Here's another thing. Culture change is a wide-arching overall approach versus a targeted effort. Culture change is strategic not tactical. You can't fix a strategic problem with a tactical approach. Implementing tactical approaches such as a new program or buying some new equipment does not achieve the wide-ranging strategy of changing culture. How a program is implemented and its success is directly tied to the status of the current culture. It's easy to fall into the targeted approach trap, though. If management feels that the problem with the culture is select groups of employees, then it's only natural for them to try to change these small groups of employees. But again, these small groups of warm bodies are products of the current culture, not drivers of the cultural bus. And then there's this fact. Culture change is slow. This requires patience. In our right now world, it is hard to develop the patience, celebrate the small wins, and give the effort and time required to see the change without giving up due to frustration. With our culture assessment clients, we always recommend they wait at least three to four years before seeing any positive results in a future assessment. Let's say upper management decides to come up with a strong plan for changing culture. 
First, they may come up with some required training on leadership or coaching or behavioral reinforcement or human error. And they'll probably do that for upper management. And then a separate version for middle managers. So developing the training plan and getting everyone through it and then seeing the results of that training at the frontline level could take at least a year to even see a hint of it. And then there's this. Training alone will not create a significant cultural shift. After the training, supervisors will most likely need coaching in the field to reinforce the concepts that they learned in the training. The time and resources for an effort like this are great. For the frontline employee to actually witness these efforts in the field is going to take time. You know, I, I really want to drive that point home, too, about the coaching in the field. Many organizations do a great job of equipping their people. Few organizations do a great job of developing their people. Training people, putting them in a class, that's equipping them with information. Coaching them in the field as they actually use the concepts is developing. If you're trying to do a cultural shift within your organization, where is the development piece? You know, the other thing, change is hard. It actually goes against the way our brains are wired. To make a change initiative a habit or normal behavior within the culture requires doing it 10,000 times, not 10, not 100. This requires creating a new neural pathway in the brain that becomes preferred over the old behavioral habit. If we send management to a class on effective coaching techniques, it won't result in effective coaching. A class is a great start, but it's one small effort made toward the change. It just generates awareness to coaching techniques. The attendees of the class have to do the actual coaching in the field. They have to get feedback from someone with expertise on the matter and continue to make it a normal behavior in their day-to-day -day activities until it becomes habit. There must also be true accountability in some form for these new desired behaviors. So great culture change efforts are never a one-and-done approach. They are focused so much more on the journey than getting to any destination. So culture change is combining a technical approach with an emotional approach. There are technical things that need to be addressed within a culture change effort. Maybe how purchasing is handled, systems that don't work that need to be revised or replaced. Maybe systems need to be created that don't already exist. But all these examples also require an emotional approach. Think about this. Here's questions that employees may be asking themselves. Does this new procedure take away control from my position? Will this new system make my job harder for the same amount of pay? Will this change effort cause my position in the company to lose value? 
or should I be looking for a new job? Even if management knows the answer is no to all of those questions, does the employee really know that? Do they believe it? Is this emotional issue being addressed in the culture change effort? All these questions are related to fear. What are we doing to alleviate the fears of our employees as we initiate a culture change effort? If we're not doing anything about the emotional issue, we have a large portion of our organization that is already unexcited about putting any effort into the change and may even work against it. Culture change requires whole brain thinking, combining practical steps with managing the emotions in our workers of the change. We need to apply rational technical thinking, but equally balanced with political behavioral thinking. Not only do we need intentional efforts for the technical side of the effort, we must be intentional with the emotional side as well. So you might be noticing something here. The need for leadership development. In all of our assessments over the past two decades, I can't help but notice a commonality, regardless of what type of industry we would assess, regardless of what level they were currently at. Whenever the results of an assessment were extremely positive, upper management was also extremely engaged in their own personal growth, learning effective leadership skills and constantly trying to better themselves. Whenever the results of the assessments were very poor, there was no true intentional effort to educate, observe, and coach managers on effective leadership skills. If you want to target your efforts for the purpose of cultural change, the best target would be the personal growth of upper management, followed by a deep effort in developing middle managers. As said earlier, culture change requires rational technical thinking combined with political behavioral thinking. Leadership development is focused on the political behavioral side. If this aspect of the effort is not given full intentional attention, the rational technical side can actually be hurt in the process. You can have the greatest new system in the world, but if you don't have the emotional buy-in of those driving the process, it may just get pencil whipped and not even actually be used as intended. Even if it appears it's being implemented on paper, so here's an example of this. I have a client who has a system for assessing the work area before performing the task. In this example, a concrete truck driver is supposed to get out of their vehicle and assess the area before pouring concrete. They have a form that reminds them of issues to look for, overhead power lines, etc. And it sounds good, right? To rational technical thinking it does, but what about the emotional side? So here's what the concrete driver actually does. He pulls up to the job, pours the concrete, and then pulls over out of the way on the side of the road before he leaves the project. Then he fills out his assessment. Wait, what? Nuts, right? Not really. There's always more to the story. 
When the concrete driver arrives to the job, the customer's screaming at him, get the concrete poured, rain's coming, or some other production pressure is behind the words of the customer. Management is checking on the driver, going through his assessments, making sure he has one for each pour. So to satisfy the customer and management, the driver pours the concrete first and assesses the hazards of pouring the concrete after it has already been poured. Why the craziness? Because the political behavioral aspects of the system were not addressed. All we end up with is another useless piece of paper that makes management feel good like they are accomplishing change, but the only true accomplishment is loading up the worker with more paperwork. Now, this assessment could be a great system, but only if the emotional side is also addressed. Hence the need for an intentional effort focused on leadership development, listening and communication skills, the power of influence, reading people, coaching, and all of that. You know, another issue that can greatly affect culture change efforts is underestimating the power of vision or lack thereof. Does the vision paint a crystal clear picture of where the company wants to go? Is the vision broken down into little chunks where each participant can clearly see their part in the effort? What are the steps we will take along the way? What will the result actually look like? What are the challenges we will face? What is my role in the effort? Who are all the players that will lead the effort? And how will they lead it? When people want to give a great example of a vision that led to achieving the desired result, many point to President John F. Kennedy's speech on taking America to the moon. In his speech, he paints a crystal clear picture of the desired destination, but with an excellent description of the challenges and each step along the way. When he talks about the rockets needed to accomplish the goal, he describes the details, how hard it will be, how hazardous it will be, and how it has never been done before. His vision speech inspired the nation and achieved the result desired. So who's driving the bus? Since effective leadership and personal growth are requirements with a culture change effort, it is imperative that the right people are leading the effort. In his book, Good to Great, James Collins says it this way, you need the right people on the bus in the right seats and the wrong ones off the bus. This is more complex than just selecting the right people on day one. You may find you have several differing personalities where some are the right fit today, some are in need of development, and others are just not ready to lead the effort at this stage of their life. There are typically four emotional responses to any change efforts made by an organization. Enthusiast, fence-sitters, early adapters, and resistors. So let's go through all of these. Enthusiasts typically have immediate buy-in. They believe in the idea. They're passionate. They're jumping out of their seats to get to work and make the change. Fence-sitters 
They're the ones who have seen efforts come and go in the past. This effort is perceived as the new flavor of the month. They view the effort as temporary. Here today, gone tomorrow. Something different will show up in its place in a few months down the road. You wait and see. Early adapters will buy in after a little development. We need to pour into this group because they can heavily influence the fence sitters. And then there's the resistors. There will be some who just do not want to change, at least not in this moment. Maybe they will eventually become late adapters. Maybe they just won't adapt. Regardless of their own life path, they can't be allowed to drive the bus or they will constantly be pulling the effort off course. Have you ever been driving down the road and you noticed you needed a wheel alignment? Remember how you were constantly pulling on the steering wheel to get it back straight driving down the road? That's the same effect of allowing resistors to lead a culture change effort. While some are working toward the goal, resistors may be working against it, actually trying to score negative points. Now, this one's hard. When you truly care about your people, about your employees, it's hard to remove people from your company, even ones that are hurting your culture. You can feel a responsibility for that employee's well-being, a direct responsibility to how that individual feeds their family. But if you decide to keep them on board, even if they refuse to grow, you can only go so far with your efforts. There is a ceiling to the growth you will achieve. So are you noticing something here? Do you notice the common theme from everything we've talked about so far? With all these issues, the number one area of focus is a strong, consistent, and intentional effort in the area of leadership development. Yeah, it must include training for generating awareness, but it must also include observations in the field for continual development. And without accountability for the desired change... Results will be minimal at best. 20 years ago, behavioral-based safety was the popular buzz phrase at the time. It was a great idea to generate awareness and learn from the behaviors of the employees. We would conduct culture assessments of companies that were trying to implement BBS systems and struggling. Most of the time, the results would show that although BBS was a great system, it was dependent on leadership to support it. Here's the funny thing. Today, we are constantly talking about the great science and understanding of human error. But I find myself saying a similar statement all the time. Human error is a great science. But the science only works in your organization if you have the leadership to support it. If you want to change your culture, start at the top. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, 
head over to leaderthink.com. 